What is up, everybody, and welcome into the DNVR Nuggets podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one top-rated sportsbook app in America. You can download it right now and use promo code DNVR when you do. And, of course, you're going to want to do that, especially when you come in and watch our pregame shows. I highly recommend them. The pregame show is like a mini uh, podcast. It's like a 30-minute podcast. We do half the stuff on Evergreen stuff, so you're going to want to catch it. And then, obviously, we preview the game. But those have been – I've really enjoyed doing them. I think people that have watched them have really enjoyed tuning into them. And if you miss them, you're looking for Nuggets content, you haven't got your full fix of DNVR Nuggets content for the week, um, and You go ahead and check those out. They're up on our YouTube page. They stay on there. Uh, I, I think you'll really, really come to enjoy them. Today's episode of the show is a notebook episode. Haven't done one of these over here for a while. Been over on Lockdown Nuggets podcast, but want to bring it over here today and talk about this Cavaliers game, the 38-point win. It was a butt-kicking. But it was still a game that I, I featured a lot of interesting things surrounding Michael Porter, Zeke Naji, RJ Hampton. So I thought people would kind of like to kind of get into the details of that. And then at the end of it, you know, we'll talk about Friday night's game against the Oklahoma City Thunder and what I'm hoping to see from those same guys and maybe even some of the other, you know, end of rotation guys that I suspect will get minutes. Denver currently a 12 point favorite on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Um, that game, you know, you know, you never know how a game's going to go. But Friday night, you, you, I think that Denver should feel like they can have a repeat performance um, of what we saw on Wednesday. Knock on wood. So, um, want to get into want to get into my notebook here and and kind of go over these. Number one thing, if you're new to the notebook shows. I just go in chronological order and share my notes. I have about a little few less than most than, than typical notes here, but still quite a bit. My first one, Jokic dunked off of his right leg. And I know people are saying, okay, well, what's the deal on that? Well, number one, Jokic is now tied with Michael Porter. Michael Porter has caught up to him now in dunks per game, but he is tied. Jokic is tied for the lead with 12 dunks. But way the right leg one, we've seen the Jokic do a cockback dunk, two-handed cockback dunk. We've seen him do some different things, but jumping off of the right leg when you're a, a right-hand player is unnatural. It's like, obviously, the NBA athletes work on, on going off of both, but in terms of your explosiveness, going off of your right leg when you're right-handed is just, it's you're the less explosive of your two legs. And the fact that he was able to catch it on a cut and go up with it, to me, it's just further evidence of how athletic he's gotten over the, you know, as he slimmed down and, and really just moves. <laughs> it's funny to say, but he really does just move well and has like a, a nice grace to him, a dancer's grace, if you will. Um, a lot of people pointed this out to me. Well, or I should say wrote this to me. It was obvious, I think, to anybody that's watched the Nuggets all season is that they really botch a lot of fast breaks and a lot of alley-oops and a lot of like three-on-one. Okay, let's see what's going to happen. And statistically, Denver really is average, league average in points after uh, turnovers, points after missed shots, you know, typically the type of possessions that lead to a fast break. Denver's league average. Um, but, but when they do screw up, they screw up some very egregiously, uh, especially on some, um, you know, basic plays. And we saw a couple of these in this game, you know, there was an alley-oop, a Jamal Murray alley-oop to, uh, Michael Porter that ended up going nowhere. There was a Will Barton, um, like three on one that just turned into a turnover. Denver does for whatever reason. I, I think the reason is a lack of athletes. You know, I've talked about this a little bit, but Michael Porter, a pretty good athlete, although he has bad hands, Jokic below average, so many guys below average. So when you get out on a break, athleticism really takes off. You think about the Lakers and they have Anthony Davis and LeBron James and a bunch of other athletes on there. But, you know, obviously LeBron and AD, two of the best athletes in the NBA. You get if you give those guys ahead, if you give LeBron James ahead of steam, nobody can stop them because they're not big, strong and fast enough to, to kind of stay in his way and, and, and make it work. 
And Denver's sort of the opposite of that, especially with Will Barton as banged up as he is, Paul Millsap. Like, guys, they can't just, like, obliterate you with their athleticism. So I think that's one of the reasons for it. Um, but it is worth noting, Denver, for whatever reason, three-on-one fast break, not the best play <laughs> for the, in the Denver Nuggets playbook. Nuggets went back. I, I've mentioned this is a trend now. The Nuggets are going to Jamal Murray in the post more and more, and I don't know what the reason is. I don't know if it's trying to get Jamal Murray going um, or if there's something else. I, I suspect in this game it was a little bit matchup dependent. You know, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, super tiny, just super small guards, so you have an advantage there. And then Cleveland also, for whatever reason, is playing. Well, I mean, they're, I know the reason they're shorthanded, but playing uh, Andre Drummond and Jared Allen together, two bigs. Um, and so by inverting the offense and putting Jokic and, and Paul Millsap, two guys very capable of both playing the perimeter, attacking from the perimeter, but also stretching the defense with, with their shot making, you know, it kind of makes sense to, to go down to Murray. It didn't really work out in this game. Murray had one great post move is my favorite post move. I'll probably tweet this one out tomorrow. Cause it's just my favorite. The it, instead of an up and under, it's basically a uh, reverse pivot up and under. And he, he executed it absolutely perfectly. I know it is the Kobe, but, um, so, but anyway, Nuggets have been inverting their offense. And again, maybe some of this is to get Jamal Murray going. Um, I'm going to have a bunch of notes on him here in a little bit. The Cavs went to a really atrocious zone. I, I'm sure just in, a, in an effort, Denver was scoring at will. And then I'm sure it was in an effort to say, hey, we have Drummond and Allen on the court together. We need to do something. But unlike earlier in the season, Denver seems very comfortable. And part of this is having Michael Porter out there as well. But Denver just seems a lot more comfortable than they did a couple weeks ago at attacking the zone. And I think this is probably true of most NBA teams. You know, teams have been playing more zone. We've seen more zone across the NBA this year than most years. But Denver looks like when a team goes zone, they just immediately go into their zone attack and um, have done a great job of finding Jokic. In fact, I think the first play that they went zone, it was actually a hilarious play. Jokic at the foul line. And, you know, if you've watched the list, if you followed the list, and I think it'll be back next week, by the way, guys. I know we didn't have one this week. Busy doing some other video editing stuff for DNVR, but should be back with it next week. But, um, you know, one of the one of the things I've talked about in a zone is you want to get the ball to the center of the court. You want to get it like to the foul line or, or below. And Jokic in particular, very good at operating from that spot. But he's even better at gaining little advantages on the margin. So you catch it at the free throw line, move down a little bit, kick it out, you know, catch it again below the free throw line, kick it out, then catch it again in the restricted area and score. And Jokic is very good at sort of picking those spots. But Denver in this one, first play a team goes zone, Jokic flashes to the foul line. Jokic turns, somebody cuts from the corner, Jokic, the defense has to follow him in. Jokic perfectly timed pass to the wing for a wide open, and I think it was a Millsap three. Denver just seems like they know what they're doing against the zone. Nuggets also ran um, Jokic MPJ pin downs with Jamal Murray off ball. So Monte Morris checks into the game. You know, he didn't start, but he checked into the game, and he's at point guard, bringing the ball up the court. You put Jamal Murray and and I think it was Jamichael Green at this point uh, in one corner, two great shooters, and you, so you space the court. And then on the other side, you run Jokic as a pin down for Michael Porter. I love it because you know you have some some size there as, as a five three combo, but also you can't switch it. Like nobody wants to switch their three onto Jokic. You use your best, you know, two of your best scorers in the same action, and it just created a wide open look. There's so much I think Denver is starting to do now to. I've talked a lot about not needing to run plays for Michael Porter, and I stand by that. But one of the things I think Denver has done is they've used him in more of a first option rather than in a, hey, like a second or third. Like, hey, we're going to try to get you quick touches here where your first option is face the basket and see if you have a scoring option. And hopefully that kind of teaches him the rhythm of the game. But they get that pinned down. And I thought – and Michael Porter actually botched it. What's funny is 
he goes up in that one and he attacks Jared Allen. Like he has a wide open little curl um, for a foul line jumper. It, actually below the foul line, this is probably like a 10 foot jumper. I would say for Michael Porter, that's a 60% shot. And instead he tries to attack and dunk on Jared Allen gets blocked. And I think it's just one of those examples of in his head, he kind of knew what he was going to do and didn't read the court. But I'm a big fan of those actions. And I'm a big fan of Michael Porter being aggressive in those ones. Cause I do think that's one way for him to start to learn to read the court a lot better. Um, RJ Hampton had a really interesting possession uh, early on, one of his first possessions. He had a great game, and it looked even better, I thought, on rewatch. But he had his first play that stood out to me was actually a bad one. You get a fast break, and in a, one of the advantages of a fast break, obviously you want to score early before the defense can get set. But if you can't do that, the second best thing you can do is force everybody into, into a switch. Everybody that's played pickup basketball, when you're getting back on the break, everyone just matches up. If it's a, if, if you're playing from behind defensively, you stop the ball, and everybody just matches up wherever the nearest guy is. And often that means a center is going to be switched out onto guard. You know, a wing's going to be out on him on a center, whatever it is. And that's what happened in this one. So Jokic grabs the ball, and he does this a lot. It's sort of like a hit. Everybody knows the idea of a hit-ahead pass where you just advance the ball just to make the defense like sort of rotate and sprint back down the court. Well, Jokic is really elite at a, a form of hit-ahead pass, which is in transition, if he sees – a team hasn't maybe fully switched on the backside. They're they're getting back, they're scrambling. But if you hold the ball for too long, you know, the center can look at a guard and say, hey, us switch real quick before they figure this out. Me and you switch spots and this or that. What Jokic is great at is not allowing those types of things to happen. And so he does this in, uh, with RJ Hampton, where RJ Hampton's not really set. He's still sprinting to the quarter. And he skips the ball ac across the court to RJ Hampton to force, I believe it was JaVale McGee at this point, you know, some subs have come in, to force JaVale McGee to switch on to RJ Hampton. And that's a win. There's 19 seconds on the clock when this pass is made. RJ Hampton doesn't have his feet set. He's a little bit open, and he goes into a non-set three-pointer over, you know, kind of in the corner. And it's not a terrible shot. Like, it's somewhat open. His feet weren't set, so you don't want to shoot it, and he wasn't ready for it. But one thing that is the difference between a rookie and a veteran, especially when you talk about a high IQ veteran like Jokic is, Jokic saw what was going on in this possession in the first second of transition. He saw, okay, it's scrambled. This guy's here. This guy's here. And by the time Jokic catches the ball, 21 seconds on the shot clock, you know, again, it's transition. By the time he, 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 he catches it, he sees the court and says, okay, if I skip it over here, we get a switch. What you need is RJ Hampton should have also seen this. Like, okay, the ball's coming to me because now JaVale McGee has to come out on me. That means Jokic has like, you know, a coro on him or something like that. And everybody's in a mismatch. And, and, and not even that Think about, RJ Hampton, he can have some fun here. He is so quick. He's the quickest player on the Nuggets roster, I think, easily. And you get JaVale McGee on you, you're either going to get a wide open three because JaVale McGee is in full on DGAF mode right now with this Cleveland Cavaliers team. He is on like, he knows exactly what he's doing, going to get bought out or traded or something like that to a contender halfway through the year. He's not busted. He's not giving too much effort um, with this team. So you're going to get a nice mismatch there. 19 seconds on the clock, almost certainly going to get a good shot. He just, again, wasn't as a rookie, isn't the game is playing so fast right now for him that he didn't recognize it. But it's an interesting play just to kind of think about. Um, I got Najee got first quarter minutes, which is great. You know, he didn't his game on rewatch. Of course, that jumper is the thing that you really pay attention to. And I'm going to talk about that. But some of the little things I thought for him, especially as we get into the second quarter, stood out in a negative way for him. Um, 
you know, it, that, that we'll kind of talk about as the show goes on. But let's take our first break. On the other side, we'll get into the second quarter and we'll start talking about some of those reserves and end of bench guys. First, I want to tell you about Hassle Cattle Company. You guys know about this, a great partner of ours, great new partner of ours. We brought you damn good beer, and everybody knows now Breckenridge Brewery, that's our beer. Well, now we have damn good beef, the Hassle Cattle Company, the best source for farm to table Wagyu beef in the country. It's a fourth generation cattle farm out of Texas. You know, I like that. They ship all over the country and they call their beef blue collar, blue collar Wagyu. Wagyu. Why? Because it's the it's affordable. It's the every it's the Wagyu beef for the every man. And this is the deal, guys. They have you go on their website and, and they've got all of these different little packages for you. You can put together a bunch of steaks, a bunch of hamburger, a mix uh, of different things. You can get some beef jerkies and stuff, things like that. They even have salsas um, and they ship it right to your door. So you say like, OK, what am I going to eat this month? I'm probably going to have, you know, four steaks and I'd love to get some hamburger meat or, or what, whatever it is. And you order it and it comes right to your door and you can pop it in your freezer and just, you know, uh, fridge or freezer, whatever it is you want to do, however quickly you're going to eat it. And you got it ready. If, you know, we're getting ready for spring and, and different things like that, you want to have a big barbecue, but you want top shelf stuff. You don't want, you know, you're not just trying to make those frozen puck burgers. You're like, you know what, I'm going to get some some of this pre uh, premier uh, beef from Hassle Cattle Company. Order it, comes to your door, and then you got your beef for the big cookout. Um, right now, you use DNVR10 as the promo code. That's DNVR10 when you go to HassleCattleCompany.com. And you're going to save 10% off your order. And don't forget, if you spend $200 or more, free shipping. I'll ship it right to your door. I also want to tell you about the presenting sponsor of this show. You guys know, of course, DraftKings Sportsbook. UFC 257. Uh, is here this weekend. DraftKings Draft Sportsbook is the official sports betting partner of USC, and they're putting you in the center of the action this weekend's uh, with this weekend's title fight with 100 to one odds on your chosen fighter. This is a cool, cool deal because you've got um, you know a full card of, of, of fights, all of the 100 to one odds. You, that's the kind of odds you would get for like a heavy, 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 heavy favorite, like a can't miss favorite. Well, they're giving that to you on everybody. So pick. Either main event fighter to win this weekend's UFC 258 bout, and DraftKings Sportsbook will give you 100 to 1 odds. That's $1 bet on either fighter, and if you hit that one, you get $100. You guys hear this. People that maybe haven't pulled the trigger on this, you guys always hear these deals, and you're thinking, okay, what's the catch? There's no catch. They just want you to download the app. You download the app and you put this deal on, and if you hit, you bet gamble one dollar. If you get the, your guy right, it's a hundred, a hundred dollar win, and you can pick either guy. It's so crazy. So download the top-rated DraftKings sportsbook app right now and use promo code DMVR when you sign up to turn one dollar into one hundred dollars on your chosen title contender to win. Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code DMVR. Turn one dollar into one hundred. Must be twenty-one or older. Colorado-only restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com/sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero. All right, back here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, solo pod again, um, and we're here into the second quarter. The start of the second unit I thought was absolutely great, or the start of the second quarter was absolutely great. The energy was insane, and I think this might be the most high-energy lineup you can possibly throw on the floor. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's a guy I'm forgetting, but I don't think so. Monte Morris, Facundo Campazzo, RJ Hampton, Zeke Naji, and Jamichael Green. All hustlers all good at rotations actually like even rj hampton zeke naji for being rookies i guess faka was too but he's more of a veteran rookie but rj and zeke even for being rookies those guys you know kind of know where what they're supposed to be I mean, ahead of the curve i would say for guys and of course rj hampton you know as much as he is a rookie and he is young he did play one year of professional basketball and i know it sounds kind of silly to say but i do think it matters in this case just in terms of like understanding rotations the pro game even when we talk about australia i think significantly more similar to the uh, NBA game than, say, the college game, for example. 
So you put those guys out on the court and they just absolutely hustle like crazy. And I like them. Like we start to think about what kind of lineups do we really want to see? I think that's a lineup that I, I, you know, I would trust it. This is obviously we're talking about the Cleveland Cavaliers and coming up, we got the Oklahoma city thunder. I, who knows how long Gary Harris and PJ Dozier are out. Hopefully they're back soon. But in the meantime, I wouldn't mind seeing more minutes for this one. Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein is, is the one guy not included sort of in, a, in the rotation right now that I wouldn't mind seeing in one of those spots as well. But for the time being, I think there's more of a hope that RJ or Zeke will be like a long-term piece for the Nuggets than Isaiah Hartenstein. And so, um, you know, I, I don't mind seeing these guys out on the court. I also love one thing I love, and this is a small thing. This is a teammate thing. I love how RJ Hampton celebrates everyone a great a true great teammate he was on the court for this one jamichael green you remember he does the like spin move dunk it was like a great move and if you watch that that play rj hampton is on the wing and right as the spin move happens like rj hampton jumps 40 inches in the air in celebration because he's like hell yeah great dunk you know and i i just love that kind of energy i think that kind of energy every team needs a guy that's like that the high energy i think monte morris is sort of like this um, but RJ Hampton seems to be just a more energetic, younger version of that, just that energy of like, everything's great. I love life. I'm glad to be out here. And it, it is really cool to see. Um, I mentioned the rotations were being good for rookies, but Zeke Naji, I thought RJ Hampton, very locked in Zeke Naji, I think still unsure about a lot of his help rotations. Um, and, and just sometimes where you could see the wheels turning, like he's like really focused on where he's supposed to be and what's happening rather than, you know, your elite defenders and your more veteran players seem to just be feeling the game and reacting in, in real time. The other thing is the lack of rebounding really stood out in the second quarter minutes. Um, you know, when you looked at the stat sheet and saw only one rebound, I really wanted to go back and kind of key in on that. Was he missing opportunities? Was it, were guys getting rebounds over him? And I think they actually were, you know, on rebound on second watch, I really do think that's something that, um, going into Friday's game, should Zeke Naji get minutes again and, and the way that he did in this one, I want to see if he can grab five, six rebounds. Um, if he plays 19 minutes, he had lanes to go for more boards, didn't really go for him. You know, he kind of, it's, he's an interesting player. And I don't feel confident with any of my takes on him just yet because we've seen so little of him. But I do wonder if he has like more guard skills than big man skills. I mean, similar, he's been compared to Channing Fry, you know, maybe even a Trey Lyles type, um, you know, in that mold where you thought of Trey Lyles, you think, you know, he's really like a really tall wing more than he is like a skilled big guy or something like that. And Zeke Naji has a big, you know, a nice frame, a good body. looks like he's not really a fast twitch athlete. He's more of a slow twitch athlete, I would say, but he looks like he has good strength on him and will continue to add. I think he's a guy that, you know, two years from now, if you fast forward and saw his body two years from now, he could really be, you know, a specimen. Like he just has a great frame on him um, that, that, that could add some weight. Um, But I don't know that he's necessarily going to be an interior guy and, uh, has those instincts to always be crashing the boards and, and making contact with guys first. It almost looks like he's always bracing for somebody to make contact with him rather than kind of pushing and using his body weight around. So those are skills. Those are little micro skills that I think he can really learn and work on. But at the same time, you know, the NBA, I think it's really important for coaches to get really outside the box. I mean, Jeremy Grant all year last year was thought of as a power forward. And then the playoffs, it's like, no, you know, this guy's actually just a combo forward. He does some things like a small forward, some things like a power forward. And I wonder if Zeke Naji is the same way. And if you really start to extrapolate and think about, okay, who's going to be playing? Michael Green and Zeke Naji could be playing together. Uh, Michael Porter and Zeke Naji could be playing together in the forward spots. Maybe even Millsap. You know, all of those guys do certain things on the court that, okay, Michael Porter rebounds really well. And 
Um, you know, Jermichael Green protects the interior really well. Well, I think Zeke Naji maybe is less of your traditional power forward, help side, backside shot blocking type of big. He needs to get better in that. There's no question about it. But I think he's less of that and maybe more like Jeremy Grant where, hey, maybe you stick him on a, a good on ball off the dribble player and see how he can handle it and and think of him less as that traditional weak side guy so just a couple notes on his defense especially on the second time time through I thought Facundo Campazzo had my favorite play of the whole game um he and we I was sitting next to Brendan Vogt when this happened and we both like cracked up laughing and maybe people remember this that defensive unit that second unit was hustling so hard and he has one play where he runs from like one corner all the way to the opposite wing to contest a shot and flies by, you know, does a great job, gets a hand up, guy misses the shot, and he goes out of frame. Uh, Compazzo presumably goes at least to half to half court, if not further, and you just kind of forget about him. Then they get the re- offensive rebound, swing it around the horn, and get the ball back to where Compazzo came from, from the corner, and you see Compazzo enter frame at a dead sprint and comes all the way back and contest the shot in the corner. And it's one of those plays that was so hilarious because he flies from right to left, and then he flies from left to right all in a matter of seconds. And you're just like, man, this dude does not quit on any play. He plays till the final whistle, and it's just a great thing. I mean, you want that out of – you want that out of your veterans. You want that out of your backups. And uh, as it was hilarious, but it was hilarious and endearing at the same time. Um, RJ Hampton's speed is a real weapon. On, on the post-game show yesterday, I talked about RJ and how he had that nice hesitation and transition, explosive step off of the, the hezzy. Like, you know, it's one thing to have a hesitation and you stop on a dime or whatever and freeze for it, freeze the defense. But unless you can explode with that second step, you know, it's a little bit wasted, but his explosion on that, that off of that Hezzy is like unreal. His strides are so long. He really does remind you of like an Impala in that he has these really, really long legs and strides and just like kind of glides. He's such a, honestly, just a beautiful athlete. Like I know it's a funny way to describe it, but just an absolutely beautiful athlete. And that's a real weapon. I'm telling you right now, it is not being deployed. And I think it's a good thing. He needs to learn all the other, he needs to build that foundation of hustle and everything else. But once he is get gets that foundation under him, I am so curious to see what that speed and athleticism does for a Nuggets team that, quite frankly, hasn't had that guy. They haven't had a guy that, when the defense falls a quarter step behind, he can turn that into a full step. Um, and I think playing alongside Jokic is it's just going to be a, a really, really nice thing if he can maximize it. And he's, he needs to learn to see the court a little bit better. You know, he had that great off of that hesitation. He had a great skip pass to the corner. And I, I kind of raved about that in the postgame show yesterday. But on rewatch, he actually had a better pass he should have made, which was just the drop off to Paul Millsap for a wide open dunk. So, you know, still room for progress there. But I just love the athleticism out of him. It really, really pops. Jamal Murray in this game I thought was absolutely terrible. And when I watched it the first time, you know, if Denver wins by 38, who cares if Murray was bad? It really doesn't. The only thing that's noteworthy here is that, one, really looked rough defensively, and his shots and decision-making and where he was finding shots was concerning because when he hits them, you go like, oh, okay, you know, he's a really good tough shot maker. But tonight, or in this game, really felt like he was hunting, like the type of shots he was – creating for himself were bad ones and he wasn't knocking them down and the fact that it's a string now it's like a little bit of a string of games is is, is concerning for me um at least a little bit but on rewind first time i threw i thought oh no big deal Denver wins by 38 he was a giant positive like must be good when i went back and rewatched it a lot of miscues defensively a lot of miscues offensively he just um you know i obviously wasn't hurting the game and it wasn't an important one but he was the one player that just didn't look good 
Um, Jokic is taking guys off of drives a lot more than in the previous years. And this is kind of an interesting one. He's averaging four drives per game, which is by far a career high. I think his previous career high was last year at 3.2 per game. So he's added basically an entire drive per game. And that's fifth among centers in the NBA. The only guys ahead of him, I think, Andre Drummond ram- randomly, which is like, that's horrible. He drives way too much. He's not very good at it. DeMontis Sabonis, curiously. They had Julius Randle on this list. who I, I, He's a power forward playing center. He's not a real, he's not a true center. He's like way above. Um, and then Carl Anthony Towns, I think the only other one. So Jokic, if you throw out Randle, all those other guys are like 4.1 or 4.0. Jokic 4.0. So he's right there among centers at um, most drives per game. And I think that's kind of cool. It's, it To me, it's a, a real different, sort of wrinkle to his game that we haven't seen before and that's a a, um you know it's because of his extra burst of speed and he has like a nice you know Jokic has good footwork like as a guard like he actually has a nice sort of like stun the defense shot fake or catch and then go off off you know quick quick first step I know that sounds funny to say but he really does have one and he's kind of been using it We'll take our final break here on the other side. We'll wrap up with uh, the garbage, the second half, which was all garbage time. And we'll talk about Zeke Naji and RJ Hampton a little bit more, as well as Michael Porter. Most interesting thing that happened with Michael Porter in this game, um, we're going to talk about happened in the third, third quarter. But first, I want to tell you about Green Mountain Dental Group. You guys know them, the best damn family-owned dentist in all of the metro area. Listeners are starting to reach out and tell us, hey, we've been there, we've had a great experience, and we want all of our DNVR family to know that we have a family member in the dental business, and that is the Green Mountain Dental Group. Um, There's nothing more rewarding than hearing from our listeners and say, hey, that was a good wreck, uh, and that's what we get from them. They right now have that deal. They've they've been a longtime partner, and they always offer this deal to you, DNVR listeners. If you get a cleaning x-ray exam you get a free sonicare toothbrush um that's right it's like a top end it's free sonicare toothbrush like a top end uh toothbrush you'll get that whenever you sign up with them and again highly recommend guys if you haven't been to a dentist for a while time to make that appointment if you have maybe you're not happy with who you got consider making the switch green mountain green mountain dental group another one of our longtime partners strava craft coffee you can subscribe now to Strava Craft Coffee. Similar to the Hassle Cattle Company, Strava Craft has a subscription service where you save 20% when you get, get on their subscription service and every month we'll send it right to your door. You pick it up, you uh, you, you pick up whatever it is that you order right, right on your doorstep and then you never have to go shopping for coffee. You never have to remember coffee. You never wake up one day and go, oh crap, I forgot to get coffee now. I don't have any. I'm going to be cranky all day. I'm going to be upset. You get that subscription going, you save money, and you get it delivered right to your door. Or, of course, you can just use the promo code DNVR20 if you want to try them out just a one-off. Order them right now. Use DNVR20, and you save 20% off. Stravacoff Coffee is the Colorado uh, coffee company that uses CBD-infused coffee. makes it really taste great, and it it provides a whole bunch of auxiliary benefits, including you know, migraines, backaches, joint pains, um, those types of things. It's just a calming effect as well. I know I love my coffee because I love that little bit of jolt, but sometimes it can be too much Strava Craft with the CBD infused. It gives you a nice sort of balance to that. So check them out, Strava Craft Coffee. Final segment here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast. And um, quickly, third quarter wasn't all that interesting, quite frankly, other than one important thing. Jokic in this one, so Denver's up 20 points. I mean, they're, it's, the game's over. I know I know that everybody thought the third quarters. What's funny is the Cleveland Cavaliers, I think, are the third. The Nuggets the worst third quarter team over the last, like, 10 games. The Cavs have been the third worst team. So it's kind of like weakness versus weakness on here. Um, but the play of the game, or one of the more meaningful plays, in my opinion, third quarter, Jokic has a layup. 
He passes up the layup because he sees Michael Porter wide open in the corner and he gives it to him. And he starts running back. It's one of those ones where he passes it, sees Porter open, and just starts jogging back because he's like, he's got this. And Michael Porter knocks it down. And we know over the last two or three games, maybe four games, Michael Porter has been in a rut and his confidence has been a little bit shaky. Jokic gives him that one and does the old, I'm not even going to watch it go in because I know this thing is money routine. And I swear to God, from that moment on, that officially ended the Michael Porter rut. Now, he had a three in the first half. I think he was one of two or something from that point, or maybe one of three. But, you know, he just still didn't look fully comfortable, you know, like looked like he was trying to get his legs under him. After that play, I felt like it was a clear line between it was like MPJ is back. He had a couple from that moment. It broke out of the slump because he had a couple of classic yeah Mike type threes. He had some nice confident drives. He just looked like he got settled down. And I know it seems like a small thing, but I do think that the Nuggets look to get Michael Porter some more looks in this game. And little plays like that, Murray had a couple as well, but I think Jokic in particular just looking to say, hey, I want, I'm looking specifically for you to kind of get you going in this third quarter. And it worked because he really took off and started looking like the Mike Porter that we, um, you know, we have been expecting all year, just confident off the dribble shot fake going into a shot and it's out of, it's not even hitting anything, just nothing but net. I think from that moment on, he goes three of, I think he, including that one, he goes three of four for the rest of the game. And I think, I don't, I think he only missed one shot period from the rest of that game and, and ended up racking up quite a few points. So something to kind of keep in mind, like sometimes little plays like that can, can go a long way. Um, Jokic got dunked on. I just have that in my note. We kind of all forgot about it, but he uh, ended up on the wrong side of a poster in this one. He also hit a Tim Duncan shot. Uh, the, the Tim Duncan shot to me, we face up the basket, you know, you're about 10 feet away on the block, pushed outside the block a little bit, faces up, puts the ball above his head and never brings it down, just shoots it from basically above his head and, and drains it off the glass. And uh, actually, I can't remember if it was off the glass or not. Duncan used to always do it off the glass, but he used to always do that where you bring the ball up. And if you brought your hand up, you know, to kind of like you were going to contest it, then he would go around you. If you didn't, he would just shoot it over you by never bringing it down. And Duncan, Jokic had such a nice one of those that um, I haven't seen him really take that shot a whole lot, but it was kind of nice to see him take it. Um, and then we get into the fourth quarter. It was great to see Zeke Nagichi knock down those shots. I mean, his form really, I slowed it down and everything to try to like really study it. It just looks extremely repeatable. Part of this was that JaVale McGee just didn't guard him. And it's funny you pick up these things a second time around, but they run the little pick and pop. It's like a, um, a brush screen. So he goes up, Zeke Nagy goes up like he's going to set the screen. And then immediately before he even sets the screen releases to the other side. And what this does is the defense, the, the, the guy guarding Zeke Nagy, guarding the screener will step up in anticipation of a screen and then just be late to release when the guard or when the screener releases to the opposite wing. Well, Nuggets run that and JaVale McGee again, down 30 playing for the cast team. He doesn't really care about waiting to be bought out or traded. He's not going to give effort. So he just didn't guard. And I'm sure he doesn't even know who Zeke Nachi is. I'm sure this was one of those games where he didn't read past page one of the scouting report. He wasn't expecting Zeke Naji to come into the game. So he's like, I don't know, is this guy a shooter? Is he like, what is he? He just doesn't guard him and he knocks down a shot. They run it again on the next possession. Same thing. JaVale McGee's like, yeah, I'm not guarding this dude. He knocks down another shot. So as much as I'm excited about Zeke Naji knocking down shots, and look, he they actually ran it three times in a row. As, as much as I'm excited about it, it is a little bit of a false sort of like, you know, eventually people are going to know who Zeke is. And and also, you're not always going to play against a guy that just is completely checked out. But nonetheless, you have to tip your hat to Zeke for being able to step into these shots. And he did them with different footwork. So uh, uh, most of these are going from left to right, you know, setting the screen on the left side of the defender and then flying to the opposite wing. But he also had one going the other direction. And that's a different footwork, just slightly different footwork. He had one stepping into a shot 
from straight on. So three different footworks gets four different three pointers. And to me, that's, that's encouraging a player that has sort of that great fundamental base to their jumper. I think um, you can, you know, that that's really encouraging that they can be a consistent shooter throughout their careers. And then RJ Hampton is just so light on his feet defensively. Uh, we talk so much about his athleticism as his off- offensive weapon, but defensively, he had two plays where he contested shots, one where he gets a block shot, but one where another one where he just contests where he's far enough away that the defender thinks, oh, I can get the shot off. But RJ's so quick that he's able to like go from sit, sagging off a defender five, six feet to jump to like sprinting into him and can jumping up and getting elevating high enough, fast enough that he can actually contest the shot. And on that one, he completely catches the catch and shoot shooter off guard by blocking his shot. And it's just, he's just so light, man. I mean, he really is a gazelle. Uh, he really is an Impala. Um, man, I had another, Oh, a Velociraptor. That's a, That's kind of what he reminds me of a Velociraptor. Not that I've, you know, I mean, the Jurassic park interpretation of one, just so like quick when he like, goes from zero to attacking just so fast man I, I he's just he's really really fun to watch and then out of the timeout they ran a really fun action for zeke naji this is again end of game you're just kind of messing around experimenting with stuff but they ran you know zeke has four threes in a row or three threes in a row at this point and they run an action that basically utilizes him like a guard where he sets a screen and then a screen the screener action for to get him open along the baseline uh running towards the quarter for three and he missed that one um but it's still cool to see you know, Jamichael Green, you don't run like those types of off ball, double, double stagger pins. So he like comes off a double stagger and hits a three. Like he can hit two or three in a row. Maybe you would run that for him, but probably not. But it's cool that it was Zeke Naji. They're like, hey, why don't we treat him like he's JJ Redick and run him off some screens on an out of bounds play and try to get him open three? It worked. They got him open three and it happened to be the only one he missed. But that just kind of goes to show you how I think the team like views his skill set. And this is why I think you can maybe start to think of him less as a power forward, less as a center, less as a, you know, obviously they're not thinking of him as a small forward, although he did play at that spot, but more just think about him as a combo forward. That's like, Hey, we don't want him always at small forward, but he can do some small forwardy things, including running off pin downs. And maybe that allows us to play Hartenstein and green together or something like that off the bench. So I don't know. Um, but I, I really would like to see more of Zeke Naji. I thought it was a great, even though it wasn't technically his debut, it felt like a nice debut of like actual minutes for him. And I thought he did a great job and definitely has me leaving. It has left me wanting more and more of that. Um, also stay tuned because Zeke Naji, maybe, maybe Zeke Naji will be making an appearance here very, very soon on this very show. Just a little teaser for you. Um, that's it for today, guys. We're going to be back at the pregame show tomorrow. You're going to want to check that out on YouTube. If you've never checked it out, please do. You're going to love it. Say hi to us in the comment section. Let us know. First time we're going to shout you out. I promise we're going to get excited for a Friday night game. You know, Friday night games are always the best. 